the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Christ, the end of the law for righteousness. We learned that over the last couple of programs. And now we'll take a look at Christ who is near in the law. Romans 10, still before us next on Abounding Grace. The law and grace, it can be quite confusing at times, especially as you take a moment and study the Apostle Paul. Oh, yeah, the end of the law is in Christ, but Christ is in the law. How does that make sense? Well, I'm glad you asked. We've got some answers for you as we continue our exploration of Romans here today on Abounding Grace. We invite you to spend time with us today as we grow in our knowledge and understanding of our elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's Pastor Gary in Romans chapter 10 and today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. I hope you can see from the verses that John read earlier that the righteousness which is of the law, man's obedience, us trying to come up with good things on our own, is very, very different from the righteousness which is of faith the righteousness that God gives us by believing his promises. The gulf between them is uncrossable. There is no middle ground. It is amazing that the Jews who followed after righteousness missed this entirely and until God illumines us by his spirit, we always will. You know, men today don't think that religious doctrinal differences are very important. All right religions are basically the same, they think. And even within the church doctrine, uh, that gets in the way with the really important thing of me finding my happiness. But we see here with something as important and as vital as righteousness that Paul says, we need to split hairs. We need to be very, very careful because one path to righteousness ends up, ends, you end up in hell. The other path will bring blessings in this life and in the life to come. Now, we will one day stand before the presence of God and when we do, we must have a righteousness that he, not we, he says, has no spot no blemish, nothing but perfection, nothing. Paul says, as we look at verse 5, do you want to get, do you want to get that by the law? Do you think you can by law keeping? Turn to Leviticus 18.5. This is what the law says if we try to be justified by it. Now, Leviticus doesn't state that we can be justified by law-keeping. The law never teaches that. 
Paul has already taught us this, but he is simply enunciating the principle, what does the law require if you are seeking to be justified before God by it? Leviticus 18.5. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgment, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. Paul here, I don't think, is so much minding the context of Leviticus, Leviticus because its context is that a godly man will be blessed if he walks in obedience to God, and that is true. And it is true as true now as it was then. But Paul says here, but if we misuse the law and think I'm going to attain righteousness, I'm going to have merit, I'm going to be obedient to God based on the law, then you better bring perfection. Because there is no curve when you stand before the Lord. So Paul has already said, we have no ability to please God. Romans 3, 1 through 23. Verse 10 says, there is none righteous, no, not one. We've all gone out of the way. We have all become unprofitable. So all the law can do is condemn us and show us that we need a Savior. We cannot through morality, through obeying the law, mount up to the righteousness that God requires of us. Remember, Judaism tried. Judaism apostatized. And Judaism is still cursed today. Islam, other religions of morality, the same thing. They don't take into consideration that the standard of justice is not what we think of each other. It is what the holy, holy, holy God thinks of us. So unless the obedience is without any spot, absolutely as much as God requires... And with nothing to take away from what he requires, then we are doomed. But there's another righteousness. Verse 6. For those who are theologically interested or inclined more to know, it is very interesting that Paul proves both sides of the point from the law. He proves what the law requires, and he proves that we cannot do it. And that we have, we have to be saved by God's promise. This time he quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 30. If you turn there with me, you can see the original wording from which Paul draws a little loosely. But he gets the main point in Romans 10. This is a very precious passage of scripture. Moses has the people of God assembled on the plains of Moab. He's giving them his farewell sermon, and he loads them with encouragement. For example, in verse 6 of Deuteronomy 30, he says, And the Lord your God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. Notice here, he says to them, before we even get to the words that Paul quotes, 
and I'm going to, uh, that I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to take away your rebellious heart, your stubborn heart. So the point here is, God says, I'm going to make you right with me by my own power. Because you can't do it. You can't circumcise your heart. Therefore, you can't walk in fellowship and obedience with me. But I will do it for you. So then when Moses comes in, verse 11, which begins the verses that Paul uses, For this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It's not in heaven, etc. It's not hidden. It's not far off. He says in verse 11, it's not hidden from you. Verse 13, it's not beyond the sea. And remember the background that is, because I will circumcise your heart, I will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. I will make you new. God says, I will give you the ability to obey me. I will give you my grace, my power, my strength to walk before me. So it is critical to see that through that though we ourselves are corrupt and have no strength to love and obey God, God promises to do this work for us. We can't obey him until he has given us a new heart. So in the beginning then, what does the Lord say to his people? The beginning of true religion is, you are going to have to believe in me, that I will do the work for you. I will take away your heart of rebellion. I will take away your root of corruption. I will give you righteousness. Notice here as he goes on in verse 12, and we'll look more at this later, it's not in heaven, he says. Stop trying to mount up into heaven by your obedience. It is also not across the sea. Remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees. You traverse the land and the sea to try and make proselytes. But it is not a matter of our efforts. God said it is a matter of what I do. So back in Romans 10, to see what Moses said in more new covenant terms, Paul says, true faith never tries to obtain righteousness through its own obedience. It never says, I can do something good to make God approve me. I can live in such a way that my good stuff will outweigh my bad stuff, and therefore God will let me into heaven. You know, traditionally American atheism, true faith looks away from itself. It's not me. It's not in me. It looks to God's promise that he has made to us, that I will give you a new heart. I will give you righteousness. What does unbelief say? Verse 6. We have to drag Christ down from heaven. God hasn't kept his promise. Jesus was just a man. We need to do it in our own strength. These are all things that 
might be included by this. We are going to be righteous only when we have done enough good ourselves. But faith said in the Old Testament in expectation, God is going to send the Messiah. God is going to give us a new heart. He's going to give our children new hearts. It is not in the heavens that we have to go. It's not across the seas. God, by his power, is going to make us righteous and give us the ability to love him and obey him. And of course, now what does faith say? We don't need to ascend into heaven. We don't need to get Christ. You see, he's already come. God has already sent his son in order to bear our curse and obey God perfectly. So like Isaiah said, sing, O heavens, and rejoice, O earth, because God has done it for us. He has fulfilled his promises to undeserving sinners. So see, we've got to give this all up. Paul here is talking to Christians. So he must think that there is within us this tendency, I need to do something. There's something I need to do to gain God's favor. And he says, no. He says, you want to sing? You want to rejoice? You want to be happy? Then believe God's promise. Trust in God's grace. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because we know what happens when men turn away from believing that God alone makes us righteous. In fact, Judaism, a case in point. They don't even make any pretense in Judaism today in believing in the Old Testament, which is why it is such an oxymoron, a contradiction to say Judeo-Christian heritage. There's no such thing, beloved. The Jewish religion is no longer a religion of the Old Testament. It is turned away from it because Christ is the religion of the Old Testament. And they rejected him. Judaism is now a religion of the rabbis, a religion of mystics, a religion of the secularist. And that's not meant to be insulting to them in any way. It's just meant to say, this is what happens when we say, I can do it. I can come up with this righteousness. I can obey God and obtain his favor rather than just believing his promises. Paul continues in verse 7. We can't descend into the deep. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. Now he is using here what Moses said is crossing the seas, traversing across the human earth. What is the point? Ascend as high as you will. Descend as low as you will. Exert as much effort as you possibly can. Search whatever you want to search for righteousness. You won't find it. Because righteousness is a gift that God has to give us. In more new covenant terms, it is unbelief that would say, well... Jesus is just a dead man. He won't do me any good. We better go and get him. You see, that's what the Jews believed. On the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached before God gave the people new hearts, 
They couldn't believe. Why didn't they believe in the Lord Jesus? Well, there were many reasons. But one of the reasons was they thought he was just another man. And men don't save other men. <coughs> it's not possible. Then when Christ died, and of course he died, all men die. Men are sinners, men are condemned. But then Peter preached the resurrection. And then the Holy Spirit joined with Peter's preaching. And suddenly it was very clear then that this Jesus whom they crucified, yes, he was a man, but he was not only a perfectly obedient man, he was also God clothed in our nature. He was more than a man. He was the mediator. And so faith was created by the preaching of the word working in their hearts. They suddenly realized God raised him up. We don't have to go do something else. God raised him up as a testimony to say sin has been atoned for. My justice has been satisfied and I have raised him as a testimony to all men that I accept his sacrifice. So come to him, believe in him because he is the conqueror of sin. He is the conqueror of death. So what do we need to hear from this? Well, we better not reject Christ. If we then, if we do then we're going to stand before God one day, naked, condemned, without covering, without help, without an advocate. But if we believe in the Lord Jesus, we have an advocate with the Father. We have propitiation. God's justice is satisfied. And God says to us as sinners, you can never, never, never do enough. It is beyond you. He says, look to my son. He is enough. He has obeyed me perfectly. You see, it is believing this promise that sets the soul on fire. Do you feel lackluster in your Christian life? One of the main reasons is often because our focus is so much on ourselves. All of the advertisements, all of the marketing all of the sports, all of the celebrities, all of the politics say, look at me. What do I want? What do I need? What's troubling me? Where does my back hurt? Where do I not look good? It's all about me. The more we look at ourselves, the more miserable we get. But when we look at the Savior, well, that we don't have to, to get him out of heaven because he's already come down and we don't have to go look for his grave in Palestine because God has already raised him up you see everything changes that's why the apostles preach not just the crucified Jesus that was no good by itself that is worthless my friends they preach a crucified and a resurrected Messiah that is what the Holy Spirit used to set men's souls ablaze and to say we are righteous. No more guilt, no more condemnation because of what Christ has done for us. And then we may now with grateful hearts, guilt-free hearts, devote ourselves to God's praise and God's service. And give our lives to Him and say, thank you.
for all you have done for us. All I want to do is serve you and praise you all my days. Now Paul says in verse 8, and he wants to make it really clear that this faith, this word is very near us. You see, as long as we try to ascend into heaven and go into the depths, how would we translate that? Pilgrimages. Let me exhaust myself with Christian activity. Hopefully, something will be meaningful and good and it will stick. There are all kinds of good reasons to exhaust yourself serving the King Christ, but there are also reasons for self-atonement that many people choose instead. That would be, Paul would say, you're wasting your time with that. He says in verse 8, the word is very near. He describes it as the word of faith at the end of the verse because to be righteous, we have to believe God's promise. It's not a matter of doing because we can't do. It is a matter of believing and trusting what God has done for us. And notice what he said he'll do. The word is near, even in your mouth. I'll put it there. I'm going to give you my promise. I'm going to put the words in your mouth that you will confess it and so that you will believe my word. And why do we speak what we speak? Because he has placed it in our hearts. So God says, I'm going to put righteousness in your hearts and I'm going to give it to you as a free gift. And notice something very important about how God gives it to us. It is the word of faith which we preach. Do we want God to draw near to us? If he is going to draw near to us and not kill us, we have to be righteous. Now he says, I'm going to give you righteousness. So how does he Give that righteousness to us through the preaching of his word. This is very, very important, beloved. God doesn't want us to stray into despair. How do I know if I'm right with God? How do I know if I have done enough? What a horrible way to live, not knowing. Medieval Romanism comes to mind. Have I expressed enough penance? Have I confessed enough? Have I done enough? That's one of the main Reformation critiques of medieval Catholicism. If you go that way, your conscience is miserably enslaved because you will never know if you have done enough to reconcile yourself to God. So God says, I'm preaching this gospel to you. I want you to have this promise. I want you to know that I am your father and that I love you and that you are reconciled to me. Well, how do we know this? When he sends someone to us to proclaim the word of faith, to proclaim here is righteousness in Jesus, believe in him. We are filthy. He is holy. We are rebels. 
He was obedient. God says, I sent someone to preach this to you. Believe it, and I will give you the gift of righteousness. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.